Welcome to another edition of Nebraska Gems. I'm Mike Melby. For today's episode, I have ventured west on I-80 past Kearney. I took a left. I went 42 miles south on Highway 183 to the south central town of Alma, Nebraska. It sits near the west end of Harlan County Reservoir, and in my opinion, it is one of the best vacation spots in the state. For those who live in town and those who visit regularly, the one store that they know that they can count on to provide them with almost anything that they need is Hoagland's Market. Sitting on the southwest corner of John and Main Streets, and now in their 56th year, Hoagland's is a true family affair, as four generations of the family have helped customers get through the checkout lanes. My guest today is the grandson of John and Edith Hoagland, who founded the store, Mr. Zach McKenzie. Zach, welcome to Nebraska Gyms. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for being here. Zach, one of the reasons why Harlan County Lake is such a great place to visit is how the local communities have supported the visitors from not only around the state or the country, but around the globe. Why do you think the community has embraced the role of gracious host so well? Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, you know, um, we're so, so down to earth people out here. Um, we It's important for the community, for businesses, um, for the tourism dollars, of course. But um, everybody's just so gracious and welcoming to um, people throughout the state, you know, the country, and like you said, all over the world. Okay, so Hoglands has been here, I believe it was April 1st, 1966. You weren't around. But before that, I believe there is an interesting story in how John and Edith met. Would you please share that? Yeah, so uh, my grandpa was in World War II. And he was stationed over in Stocksbridge, England. And uh, my grandma is uh, born and raised in Stocksbridge, England. And he met her when he was over, stationed over there in the service in World War II. So kind of a funny deal. The first time they, they met, there was uh, my grandpa, John, and three of his army buddies went into town and um, were introduced to my grandma, Edith, and three of her friends, and they picked dancing partners by height. So the tallest man danced with the tallest woman until they got to the shortest one. So kind of interesting. So wh- where was John? Was he the tallest or the shortest? I think he was one of the tallest. Okay. They meet, they fall in love, and they get married. They have a son who winds up being your uncle. And war is over or discharged. Uh, is that, how, did, how did your grandfather then wind up? leaving Europe. Now he has a wife and a kid that has to stay there for the time being, but walk me through what you know about the trip back for him. Yeah. So what I understand about that is, is he came back in uh, the summer of 1945 and started, um, you know, working and, and uh, went back to work when he got here. And then my grandma had to wait, I believe it was um, until November of 1945. And they brought all the war brides and their children, babies, mostly uh, back on warships. So when they brought them over, they came through the port in New York. And again, what I was told, which is kind of interesting, a lot of American women were standing on the docks, hollering at them, tell, telling them to, you know, that they were coming over to take their husbands and, and that sort of stuff. So they weren't well received right from the get go. But, uh, and the conditions on the warship didn't sound all that wonderful. They, uh, I was told there were 64 war brides coming over and 64 babies also, and uh, one sink and one bathroom. Wow. Your grandmother jumps a train, if, if maybe not jumped it, but got a ticket, and 
walked onto a train and came out to South Central Nebraska. How was that encounter for her? So I'm assuming it was uh, extremely eye-opening. You know, uh, never been to America before. Born and raised in Stocksbridge. I don't think she really ever left there growing up. Um, Pre-cell phones, pre-Google Maps, and had to find her way to South Central Nowhere, Nebraska. So I'm guessing it was probably a long train ride, to be honest, with a young baby. The other part that I believe I picked up from your mom last night was that she was trying to impress her new in-laws and decided that a wool suit would be something she really needed to wear. But when she got here, it was just a touch on the warm side. Yeah, that's that's what I was told. And uh, so what? how mom says it, she basically handed my Uncle John, who was the baby, to my grandpa, John, and she went and laid underneath a shade tree to cool down. That's kind of a, a rough welcome to America. They wind up with seven children total. Your mom winds up being the youngest. Today, you and your mom are kind of in charge of day-to-day. Is that the way it's set up? Yeah, so... The way it's set up right now, uh, my mom, Becky, and I are participating owners. Uh, We're here day-to-day operations. And then we've got, uh, I've got three uncles uh, that are also owners in this and uh, two cousins that also uh, have some ownership in Hoagland's Market. Okay. And and John and Edith passed uh, in the early 2000s, I believe, or mid of of the aughts. Yeah. uh, My grandpa, John, passed away in 2006. And then my grandma passed in 2008, and I had an aunt, uh, one of their their oldest daughter, passed in 2007. So that's kind of a tough three-year stretch. I was going to say, that's pretty rough. Now, at that point, the family's going through grieving, obviously, and it is time for you know everybody to step up a little bit. But with all of that loss, how, how was that? Because you know, at the time, uh, you were probably mid-20s. What was that like as a family? How did you guys get through that? That had to be rough. Yeah, I th- I think I think they just pulled together. Um, I will say during that stretch, I was out in Colorado. I moved back uh, to Alma in 2011, so I wasn't here during that that transition of kind of losing the matriarchs of the family. But uh, you know, I think they just they pulled together. And at that time, I had two uncles and my mom were in the store, and so they just kind of pick up the pieces and and tried to move forward the best they knew how. And they did, and you guys continue to be successful. Let's walk back to pre-April 1, 1966. The story I heard is your grandfather, John, walks into the loan bank in Alma. Currently, there are three banks in Alma. Then there were one, but there were three grocery stores in Alma. And so your grandfather and your grandmother decide they want to buy one of the three grocery stores. What was the name of the grocery store? Yeah, so it was it was Linneman's pre-April 1st, 1966. Uh, the Linneman family had it, and my grandma and grandpa were interested in, in purchasing the store. And I, I think they just wanted stability. You know, he was running the locker plant back um, before they bought the store. But anyway, so he, he went into the, the only bank in town and uh, talked to the president of the bank and said, you know, hey, we're thinking about purchasing the grocery store. I need a loan for six thousand dollars. Is what it was back then. And from my understanding, basically the banker laughed in his face, said, "You have seven kids at home. 
They're going to eat all the profits that you have. <laughs> so I don't think this is a good idea. And so my grandpa walked out, and uh, that was is it as far as the bank's concerned. You said what he was doing before. Where did he work? He wor- He was. Uh, he was cutting. Uh, he was working at the uh, Alma Locker plant. Okay. So and so, so meat cutting. Meat cutting essentially. So he was. He was kind of a butcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. My grandfather was as well, actually, mm-hmm. uh, going back into the forties and fifties. So. I guess that's the end of the story. They couldn't buy the grocery store, and somehow, miraculously, somebody gave it to you, or not. Yeah, so uh, the, the story goes that there was a, a, a family in town that has Wagner Insurance. Um, we still have our insurance through them today, after all, the, all these years. So it was Clarence Wagner lent my grandpa the $6,000 to buy the store. And I will say, as a family, we've, we've always been forever grateful to Wagner and, and Wagner Insurance across the street. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. Your grandfather is a butcher. I get it. But did your grandmother have any background in running a business and working in the store at all before you guys or before they bought it? So her background, you know, obviously coming from England and stuff, she um, had no business experience. But she was, I will tell you, she was one of the smartest ladies I've ever met. So she could put her mind to it and she could knock out anything you know she was great with numbers and she she was great at accounting you know and so i always say that you know my grandpa was kind of the the brawn of the store and she was definitely the brain so it was a great combination between the two of them do you know what their philosophy was from day one or did it change to to have the drive to be able to be successful like it is does the store have a motto do you guys have like a credo that you tell your employees uh, you know, this is the way we treat people, or or we always want to undersell, et cetera. What, how do you guys approach the philosophy? What did the grandparents instill in, in their kids and in, you know, you and the, the, the other grandkids? I, I will say my grandpa instilled work ethic, you know, in, in us. I had cousins that come through here, worked as carryouts in high school. Um, obviously, my uncles were, were owners here as well. You know, work ethic was always one of the things. In high school, it, it kind of it wasn't great working here sometimes because some other kid or something carry out would screw up, and then we would be the ones in trouble from it. So <laughs> we uh, we took the brunt of most of it, which in hindsight now was the best thing that ever happened to me. But as far as a, a motto or anything that Hoagland's has, my grandpa always said that um, you know you got to have milk affordable, bread affordable, and potatoes affordable. That's kind of the staples of of a meal and uh so he wanted that to be available to anybody at any time so and my grandpa or my grandma excuse me she said if if you walk into a store and it feels dirty i bet you a dollar they're probably going to turn around and walk out so we try to keep a, a clean store you know that's interesting your grandfather's thought all he focused on then was making sure people could put affordable food on the table for the basics of a meal that is brilliant to be honest. Yeah, it's it's something that he, he wanted everybody that came in here, anybody in the area, you know, whatever. Um, he wanted them to be able to afford, you know, the meals for the week. Um, you know, he obviously profited from it, but not as much as they probably could have, honestly. And uh, they he that was that was his kind of mindset. Earlier, we said today there are three banks in Alma and there's one grocery store. In 1966, there were three grocery stores and one bank. 
you say your grandfather could have made more money. He could have made price things a little bit higher. He had competition. Why is there no longer competition in Alma between grocery stores? What did they do? And I don't, I, I don't want to say to put the others out of business, but how did they run the store, and why were they the one of the three that is still here today? Well, and that's a great question because, like I said before, my my grandma was definitely the brains of this operation. Um, she she bought, you know, in bulk at times when it was necessary um, to keep prices down. And uh, yeah, she she was like I said, she was brilliant. And um, but our my mindset, and I I can't really speak one hundred percent for them, but I know she was brilliant. But what what I try to do moving forward is just. You know, there, there's been different competitions over the years. Um, we've had a, a new store enter the town a couple of years ago, but we've we've always I've always thought if you concentrate on what you're doing and not what everybody else is doing, um, that's kind of the way that I approach things. And um, you know, if we need to get more competitive on stuff, so be it. But we just try to handle our business and and stay in that lane. So okay, and I want to touch on the the store. I said there's only one grocery store. There is. However, there is another store in town that is a national chain. It's not a Walmart, but it's a national chain that they come in and they they have probably four or five thousand stores across America, which means they have the buying power of four or five thousand stores, not one. When they came to town, they also sold alcohol. You did not. You guys kind of had to make a pivot and bring alcohol into the store. Was that the catalyst for why you did? And how has life changed in the store having alcohol here yeah so that that was one of the things that we wanted to do was we lost revenue when the national chain came to town um that was that was going to be obvious from the start but we uh we wanted to bring in alcohol see when my grandparents were alive my grandma was 100 percent against it which i understand it was different times back then you know um she didn't want alcohol sold in the store at all course back then they didn't want to be open on Sundays either so just you know we've just been trying to keep up and change with the times a little bit but um, the the sale of alcohol has really helped because we've come become more of a a one-stop shop especially for um, campers boaters you know people that are down for the weekend um, maybe they don't have to run to two or three different stores now they can kind of get everything they need right here you know besides gas that's the key thing is you guys have had to pivot and adjust and understand that the way you did it last week may not work this week. That includes technology. Walk me through the advent of technology in this store from, let's just say, the last 20 years. We're no different than anybody else. You either try to keep up with technology the best you can or you're going to get way behind. And so um, some of the upgrades that we've done – uh, you know, anywhere from security systems to, you know, obviously Facebook has been huge for us. We, we utilize that quite a bit. Registers and that sort of stuff, um, more touch screens, that sort of stuff. Um, but one of the things that we're implementing in the fall of this year is we're adding, which if you live in a big city, you know these, are self-checkouts. So we're adding, uh, keeping our three check stands with the actual cashiers, but we're adding uh, two self checkouts on top of that. So, interesting. Talk it for a while. Fair enough. It's breaking news on a podcast. It, it How is. about that? Technology also can backfire 
because of a little story I heard where you almost gave your mom an absolute heart attack the other night with your security system. <laughs> tell me, tell me that story again. So with the upgrade of the security system, we now have the ability to set the alarm from our phones. And uh, my son was in here um, doing some stuff on the computer the other night, and I told him to let me know after he left, and I was going to set the set the alarm. Of course, in a 21-year-old fashion, I didn't hear from him the rest of the night. I'm stunned. Yeah. And uh, so a little bit later, I thought, I better set the alarm for the store. And I tried a couple times, and it wouldn't work. It said, you know, motion or whatever. I thought, well, that's weird. And we live about seven miles from the store, so I didn't really want to come over if I didn't have to. But so I tried it one more time, and I finally set. Well, in the office, that's where she, uh, my mom ended up being. She was sitting down at the at the desk. And so she wasn't moving, so it didn't set anything off. Well, then she got up to go, and you don't hear the, the beeping going on unless you're by the keypad, which are by the front and back door. So if you're up in the office, you don't hear that until the master alarm goes off, and you can hear it about six blocks away from here. So it started screaming <laughs> in her ear, and she I just about had a heart attack, I think. <laughs> That's fantastic. That also then leads me to this question. She was here after hours. You guys close at 6 o'clock. It's a small town. You guys are open 9 to 1 on Sundays. You guys have 1,400 people. You're 88th in population size in the state of Nebraska. It's not feasible to be open until midnight. It's not feasible to be open 24-7. Have you guys ever had somebody call and go, okay, here's the problem. I meant to come down, but... I, the dog ate my homework, and I, can you please let me in to get some milk or some sugar? I'm making a cherry pie or whatever the case may be. Has that ever happened? Not this week, but many, many, many times, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the great thing about a small town is everybody is at least one or two cell phone numbers away from getting a hold of somebody. So we get calls all the time. Uh, to come down, they just need one thing for either it's a school project or something for, you know, the kid for class the next day or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, we, we just we just do it, you know. What's the strangest request? We, we get asked to get some pretty odd different kinds of meats in once in a while, I will say. You know, whether we're uh, if we carry alligator or something like that, that's that's been one before. Um, so you don't? No, we we do not carry <laughs> alligator. So if yeah, it might be good, I don't know. I've never had it, but uh, I have, and it is actually good. Uh, it tastes like chicken. We do have chicken. There are 581 cities, towns, or villages in Nebraska with populations that range from six in Enders, Nebraska, to 480,000 in Omaha proper. Of course, there's well over a million in the Omaha area. Of the 581, 530 of them have a population of less than 2,500 people. So you can argue that there's pretty much 500 towns or cities or, well, not cities, 500 towns or villages in the state that don't have quick, easy access to a grocery store, regardless of the time of day, uh, a, a big grocery store, a Walmart. Now, I get it. They're all over the state, but there's still probably 500 communities that have Hoagland's. And, and maybe a national chain that's not super big, whatever, but that that's what they have. There are also a ton of people that when they get to Nebraska, they go, 
it, it, this is a cool place. I, I kind of want to retire here. I want to live here. I get it. There's no ocean. I get it. It's cold in the winter and it's really hot in the summer. But I grew up in a small town in a different state. Maybe it's in this state. I want to move back. I want to maybe I want to open a grocery store, have a business to retire. And I'm going to hire the people in the in the community. What would you tell them about it? Is it rewarding? Is it annoying? Is it frustrating? Is it all of the above? And what do you think they should do in order to look into possibly trying to get a grocery store in a small town? Well, I think to answer that, um, one of the things is what we try to do is definitely make sure you're part of the community. I mean, if there's we constantly are, are trying to help with fundraisers for certain events or um, benefits, that type of thing. But listen, w we love being in this community. We're here for a reason. Um, you know, har um, Harlan County, it's it's just a great place to be. And we're very fortunate to be here where we are uh, with the lake and, and everything else. You know, to, if I was giving somebody advice on starting a store in a small town, you know, just try to be as competitive as you can for one you know i know it's it's different you were talking earlier about um the different types of buying for different uh, national chains and that sort of stuff but if, if you try hard and, and set prices you know somewhat reasonable i mean people appreciate that i i know i've heard some smaller towns in the area that have closed and and it's just it's hard on the town when a grocery store disappears how old were you when you first started working in the store so I started carrying out when I was in fourth grade. I would walk down after school and work, you know, four to six or whatever it was after we got out of school. And uh, so I'd work a couple days after school in fourth grade. And then the older I got uh, through high school and stuff, we'd work a little bit more in summer. You know, we'd work quite a bit in the summertime, I guess. No school. but So as you grow up, one of the questions I want to ask you is just kind of a fun one about you personally. What do you like to do for fun? But I'm going to tie that back to your high school days here i believe when i was at the country club last night um, i saw a picture on the wall that i've seen many many times before about the state championship golf teams were you on those golf teams that would be uh that would be my brother okay simon and uh so they had i think they won state three years in a row i so believe that's correct if, if i remember correctly um as you get older, the stories get better, of course. You know, it's going to be five years. By it's going to be five yeah. years. In a couple, five five years. It's going to be seven years. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, golfing has always been neat in Alma because we've been f extremely fortunate to have a neat nine-hole course. And, you know, back then, before cell phones and all that stuff, kids went out and played golf a lot. And uh, a lot of kids Simon's age um, did that, and, and they – one like i said three state titles in a row i believe so okay so your brother simon won three state titles did you play golf in high school uh, i did yeah um like i said growing up here it was it was we have a like i said a fantastic course and um so a buddy and i uh, growing up in elementary school we'd go out and play as much as we could and and uh throughout high school but uh, i played in high school um yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, the reason I played and the reason I got good at golf is because I can't jump, I can't run fast, and I can't jump. You know, I can't throw stuff very far. So, <laughs> I, golf was golf was the out, and not track. If so. you're going to be athletic, uh, golf is that last resort, but it works. 
after high school, um, you move away for a while, you go here, you go there. What ultimately drew you back? Yeah, that's that's a great question for me because I always knew, even when I was growing up here, um, you know, when you're young and stuff, all you want to do is get out, right? You want to not be in the small town you grew up in necessarily. Um, you just you just want to go to the big city. You just want to try new things. And and I did that. I, I uh, moved out to Denver for a while, and that was great. I had a lot of good friends out there. Um, it was a lot of fun. But I always knew growing up here, even at a young age, that I wanted to live here. I wanted to grow up here, um, raise a family here. So that was always in the back of my mind. And, and like I said, I, I got away for a while and stuff. But, you know, with, with all the opportunities that we have in Harlan County, in Alma, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. It's a great spot. It really is. The people are just tremendous. Um, you know, anywhere from a like we talked about the golf course, the lake, um, a trail that runs on the north side of the, of the lake, um, to a bowling alley, to you know, and it's just there's a lot of opportunity here, and uh, it's it's just a wonderful place to be. The lake's right here. Where we're sitting right now, 200 yards to my right, your left, and south from where we're at, is water. How often do you, and have you throughout your entire life when you've lived out here, how often do you go jump in the lake? I used to do it more when I was younger, of course, less responsibilities. But um, it, it's kind of funny. We, we can see the lake every day coming to work, and it's it's great, and it's you know right there, like you said. But... With our business, when it's time to, you know, go boating or skiing or go to the beaches or whatever, that's kind of the time that we're the busiest. So it's it's hard for us to get out. Um, uh, my girlfriend and I and um, our three-year-old Rawlings, our best time to go out is usually a day or two after a big holiday. Everybody heads home, and uh, there's not nearly as many people then, so that's kind of the the opportune time for us to, to get out on the water. So Good timing. You talk about what a wonderful place to be it is, and I said in the intro, it, to me it's the best vacation spot in Nebraska because of all the things you can do. Yeah, you can go tube the Niobrara, jump in a tank, whatever. You can do that here too. Uh, you can kayak here and there. Guess what? I've got kayaks. You can put them on the water here, especially here on the west end of the lake and go under the Highway 183 bridge, especially when the water's up like it is and the whole west side of that bridge is all flooded. And you can kind of go up the river when it's flowing. It's a blast. And, and the ATV trail and the hunting is insane. The walleye fishing, to me, is the best in the state. That tells me tons of people come here. You know it's true. I know it's true. Most people do. And most people listening that are saying, I've been there before. They've probably been to the store, too. But I'm guessing one or two of them have come to town, have had a pop or two, and come into the store, and interesting things have happened. Can you share any fun stories with possibly inebriated uh, customers that made you laugh, made you cry, or made you call the county sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've had those. We definitely have had those. Um, I, I don't, and not, not in my experience, have we had to call the sheriff yet. That's so good. So I'm, I'm leaving the yet on there, maybe. Um, but we've had to, uh, maybe put it, put it, you know, politically correct. We've had to clean up in an aisle after they left maybe, 
whether it, you the know, mind wanders. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Don't I need suppose. details. Thank you. Right, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, like I said, it's a like I said, a destination spot. So people come down and have a good time. Um, that's definitely part of it, and uh, so you kind of just take the good with the bad as it goes. Fair enough. Fair enough. One of the best programs that the state of Nebraska has, as far as an agency, is called Nebraska VR. And what they do is they help mentally and physically challenge people attain jobs. Although I don't believe you guys are affiliated with that program, you do something similar. Walk me through that. Yeah, so uh, there's a program up at the, at the school here, Alma Public Schools, where um, they have some students with disabilities. And so what we do here is um, allow them with their para to come down and um, kind of get some job experience, kind of on-hands training. And uh, so whether it's anything from dusting to vacuuming to, you know, interacting with customers also. Um, so that's that's been good for us. It's I, Hopefully it's been good for the school and, more importantly, good for the student, I hope. Fantastic. Thrilled to hear that you guys do that. There's always going to be booming times for most businesses that have been in business for 56 years. There's also going to be stretches where things go sideways for no reason of your own, i.e. a recession hits, the housing boom, or the bubble burst in 07, 8, and 9, and things got pretty bad, or a worldwide pandemic, uh, you know, almost shuts the entire country down or the entire world down for a while. How did you guys pivot and get through specifically those two times especially the 070809 era which is where you lost you know your two patriarchs of the of the patriarch and matriarch of the the family the founders of this business and and you lose an aunt as well right in the middle of that recession and then how have you guys gotten through the pandemic yeah so like i said earlier i i wasn't around back in 2006 2008 but um as far as speaking on the pandemic we're, we were deemed essential for one being a grocery store. So, you know, our hours really didn't change or anything like that, but we had to learn on the fly about, uh, curbside pickups. Uh, that, that was one of the things that we implemented. And, um, so we didn't have any fancy apps. We're, we're not smart enough for that stuff. Um, we didn't have fancy tools that a, a bigger grocery store or a chain grocery store has. So you don't have an app? No, no. Um, so, but anyway, we just, like I said, we kind of learned on the fly. We um, put it out there that uh, they could call the store for one, you know, and, and we would take their uh, grocery list that way. Uh, they could email uh, the grocery store email address and, and we would shop for customers or um, they could send messages on Facebook, I guess is another way we did that. So when I was growing up, I'm 55 years old. I was born in 1967, and when I was growing up, there were a lot of grocery stores that had their, you know, the bags were carried out by someone. It was a courtesy service, and that is something that you guys have done for years and years and years. So when you say you had to pivot to curbside pickup, I don't think the pivot was too much because you guys have provided the service of carrying stuff out for your customers for a long time, which speaks volumes as well to the type of people that live out here because you've got young kids, millennials and Gen Zers that don't see the reward in just doing something nice for someone. And they still do though out here because it's just what you guys have always done. So yeah, you know what? Maybe they had to shop for the people too, but they're still carrying their groceries out for them. I think it's fantastic. 
Yeah, and that's that's always been a neat thing with Hoagland's Market is that um, one of one of the mindsets my grandma had was you know after they put that product or whatever it was uh, in the cart they didn't have to touch it until they got home. Uh, we've got checkers that run stuff through uh, the registers and and carryouts to sack it and and literally carry it out to your car and you know put it in your car so they don't have to do anything until they get home. Now, you know you go to bigger cities and you go into other grocery stores, you see how they kind of do things where now it seems to be pretty popular to wheel your own cart up there, um, unload it yourself, scan it yourself, bag it yourself, and then take it out to your own car. Um, we're still providing a service that essentially kind of went away, honestly. And for those that want to walk up, scan it themselves, bag it themselves and leave, you guys are going to give them the option to start doing that that's that's coming and that's that's one of the neat things about these um self-checkouts that we're getting it'll probably be honestly um you know kind of a 15 item or less kind of a quick uh self-checkout type of thing it just opens the door for people who just run in to grab a few things and and don't want to stand behind somebody that has a cart you know and wait a couple minutes so we're we're trying to cater to the people that uh you know Nowadays, we're all in a hurry, right? So um, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to make it more efficient, I guess. We talked about the pandemic and what you guys did to, to overcome and, and survive during the time. What's the biggest obstacle that you face on a daily basis? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's many. <laughs> um, it's just, you know... My my take on this, my overall take on on the store and, um, you know, kind of Becky and I running day-to-day stuff is, listen, we've got wonderful people working for us, and we've got some really, really good folks. And, you know, to us, they're almost like family. And the kind of the way I approach the day-to-day stuff is to, listen, those people are are counting on us to do a good job, right? So um, they need their checks to pay bills, to buy groceries, everything. And so I always kind of have it in the back of my mind where, you know, we've got, I think, 25 employees. About half of those are full-time. And they're counting on us to do a good job and to stick around. So um, that's kind of the way I approach, you know, day-to-day stuff, just – Think about that. I think it's a great train of thought. I'm going to ask you a very tough question that you can take a minute if you need. Your grandparents left a fantastic legacy. How much responsibility do you feel to carry that legacy on and pass it on to your children if they choose to come into the business? That is a tough question. You nailed it there's a tremendous amount of pressure uh on me and and you're absolutely right the legacy they left i'm just hoping not to screw it up in any way i i think about them a lot and i you know at the end of the day whatever we do however we do it i just hope that they think you know good job now we're going to get to some of the fun questions do you love, kind of like, or truly hate grocery shopping? 
Hate it. <laughs> I'm stunned. <laughs> What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla. I'm not that exciting. What vehicle did you learn to drive in? 1983 Cutlass Supreme that was tan on the outside, tan on the inside, and ran for a couple minutes after you shut it off. Awesome. I had a it 77. Knocked, it knocked for a long time. I had a 77 Cutlass Supreme. Mine did not knock after I turned it off, but it was fun to drive. Where is your favorite vacation spot? I've been to Charleston a couple of times. Charleston, South Carolina. I love that area. I love the history. Um, humidity, you can take it or leave it. But uh, I'd say Charleston. That's so cool. I love it there. Hunting or fishing? I'm absolutely terrible at both of them. Um, I would say hunting. Or golf. <laughs> golf, then that's <laughs> the answer. Uh, if you could change your first name, what would you change it to? I don't know. There's so many cool names now. They're pretty basic back when I was born. Um, you can just say, that. I like my first name. Yeah, I do like Zach. I, I spell it with an H, so that's different. And I will say that over the years that every time somebody spells Zach, it's not correct. So... I texted you without knowing how to spell your name. What did I spell it? Correctly, incorrectly. Correctly, with an H. Yes. Nailed it. One of the few. Fruits or vegetables? Candy bar. No. <laughs> Good enough for me. No, uh, definitely fruit. What is the dumbest, craziest dare you ever took? So on that one, I'll probably plead the fifth. But let's just say it was um, community service was involved after the fact. I, that might be the best answer to that question ever. What movie do you find yourself quoting the most? Oh, that's easy. Top Gun. I, I pretty much, Emily, my girlfriend, I don't, she won't watch it with me. But Top Gun. What object do you lose the most? Uh, I would have to say sunglasses. That's why I buy cheap ones, because I, if I get expensive ones, they're probably gone in, in a week or less. Who is your favorite band, and then who, what is your favorite song? Favorite bands? Uh, I would say favorite singer would probably be, you know, like a Garth, Garth Brooks okay. is definitely my favorite artist. Um, the Thunder Rolls is obviously an all-time favorite. What is your deepest fear? Snakes. Hate them. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Favorite holiday? Uh, I would say Christmas. Being in the in the retail world, it's just it's just a neat time of year. You know, seeing joy on everybody's face for the most part. And uh, I, it's it's I think for me it's always been Christmas. Last one. What is your single most favorite item that you get at the grocery store? Colorado peaches. They're absolutely fantastic. And they're here for such a short time. Colorado peaches. I like that answer. Zach McKenzie, grandson of John and Edith Hoagland, the founders of Hoagland Market here in Alma, Nebraska. Zach, thank you so much for joining me here on this episode of Nebraska Gems. Mike, we're honored that you came. Thank you very much.